Let's try that. Good morning. You know, one of the things I love about our worship teams is their ignorance. They do not know how to orchestrate a worship service. The best they got is to come, show up, and worship and hope you participate. There's no pressure, no manipulation. It's just these guys just come to bless the Lord. And they do it whether we get together on Tuesday night or whether we get together on Sunday morning early or whether we get together during this meeting. And that kind of just puts the ball back in our own court, doesn't it? To determine whether we want to participate or not. Whether we want to worship or not. All right. Integrity. Tired of it yet? Kind of. <laughs> Turn with me to Second Corinthians chapter 1. And then Ephesians 1. You can hang on to that. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 21. Now, he who establishes us with you in Christ and anointed us is God, who has sealed us and gave us the Spirit in our hearts as a pledge. That's the part of the verse I want us to look at. Who has sealed us. And gave us the Spirit in our hearts as a pledge. Now look in Ephesians chapter 1, verse, beginning the end of verse 10. In him also we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to his purpose, who works all things after the counsel of his will, to the end that we who were the first to hope in Christ would be to the praise of his glory. In him you also, after listening to the message of truth, the gospel of our salvation, having also believed, you were sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is given as a pledge of our inheritance with a view to the redemption of God's own possessions to the praise of his glory. Now, these two verses talk about the Holy Spirit and what God does whenever he comes to meet us is he seals us with the Holy Spirit. Now, Philippians chapter 2, verse 13, describes to us what God does there. Okay? It says, it is God who is at work in us to will and to work of his good pleasure. He's not there to give us what we want. He's not there to make us happy. He is not there to make us successful. He is not there to make us rich. He is there to work His good pleasure. That's what He's there doing. 
When a person comes to know Christ, the Holy Spirit is planted like a flag in their heart as a down payment of ownership as well as a guarantee of what is to come. It serves two purposes. It serves as a down payment of ownership. And it is a revelation. It is a guarantee of what is to come from that point on. Now, that's not just when we get to heaven. There's not this something he's going to do when we get to heaven. But it starts from the point that the Spirit of God comes to live in our life through the remainder of our life. God is about a purpose in our life. When the Father takes up residence in a life, He is making a declaration that says, this is mine. That's cool. When the Spirit of God resides in our heart, when Jesus seals with the Holy Spirit, there is a declaration that says, this is mine. And I have come to establish wholeness in this life. That's why I'm here. I'm not here for your good pleasure. You're going to get pleasure, but I'm not here for that. Your pleasure, your comfort, is not the determinator of what I'm going to do when I'm here. Sometimes I'm going to want to realize my purpose in your life, and you're not going to like it. But don't worry, I'll quit. I don't want to hurt your feelings. I don't think so. He says, I am here to determine my purpose in your heart. Yes, it is ownership. You are mine. But I'm here for a purpose, and that is to establish my purpose. This is mine. I have come to establish wholeness or integrity in this life. And you can listen to the other CDs and see where we got there. At this point, the Father sets about establishing His purpose, which we have found in a twofold area. Anybody remember what it was? All right, I'll tell you again. Here it is. It is the summing up of all things in Christ. So if you apply that to our life, it would read like this. It is the summing up of all things this life consists of in Christ. Whatever makes up this life, whatever this life consists of, the Father says, it is mine and I am here to establish my purpose. I am here to sum up every part of this life in Christ. He says it in Colossians a different way. He is working His love in us so that He Himself will come to have first place in this soul. That's what He's come to do. He didn't come to get you to heaven. Him coming in our heart to work His purpose, the byproduct of that is heaven. But it's not the purpose. His purpose is to establish His kingdom in our heart by summing up every part of our life, every aspect, every compartment of our life, summing it all up under Christ, bringing it under His authority, working His love in our heart in order that Christ might come to have first place 
in every part of our soul that's been fractured. A compartmentalized life, a life that has all these compartments in it, is an expression of a fractured soul. So he doesn't just come to work these external things. He comes to work internally to bring wholeness to our soul in order that integrity might be revealed in our life. We'd rather just deal with the exterior. We'd rather just perform. We'd rather just dot our I's, cross our T's, bring our sacrifice, do our time, check off our attendance. We brought our Bible. We did it. We, we would rather do the external. God says, I'm interested in coming from the inside. I have planted my flag in your heart that says you are mine, and I'm here to establish my perfect. The Father works to integrate wholeness to that soul so that integrity can be expressed through that life. If we resist, or if we choose to not cooperate with Him, we will quench or grieve the Holy Spirit, and we will continue to look externally for wholeness, and integrity will continually elude us. Because integrity is not found out here in doing the stuff. Integrity is found from the wholeness of my soul and what takes place inside of me. But when someone finally, but when someone finally comes to the end of themselves and becomes tired of juggling all the compartments of their life and finally gets tired of having to change masks to keep up appearance depending on the compartment and finally gets tired of hiding one compartment from another, keeping them separate. But when someone is finally willing to receive the love of the Father into every one of these fractured places, there is nothing more exciting than seeing a fractured life, then a fractured family, then fractured relationships becoming whole in Christ. There's nothing like it. First of all, there's nothing like experiencing it. And second of all, there's nothing like observing it in people's lives. Watching God make that, that core of their being whole and complete to where they don't have their life all fractured up trying to cover one from another, trying to put on the mask for this compartment and the mask for this compartment. And I can't remember what mask I had on for. How does that work? And finally, when we come to an end of ourselves and we surrender all of these arenas, to the Father. Make my soul whole. It's exciting. Because when that happens, when that soul, when that person becomes whole, their relationships become whole. And their families become whole. And everything about their life becomes whole. So, that's the introduction. What's the characteristics of a life of integrity? What does a life of integrity look like? We've talked about the definition of it. We've talked about how it looks in the heart of God. We've talked about where it starts. 
But what does it look like in a life? What does it look like when you look at a life and you say, there's integrity there? What does that look like? I want to give you three or four characteristics this morning. You remember this 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 encounter? Uh, a young man ran up to Jesus and he said, uh, what's the greatest commandment of all? Remember that? Remember what Jesus said? What did he say? No, before that. See, that's what we think. We hear that question, what's the greatest commandment of all? And we think he just jumps right into the answer. But he qualifies that answer with a declaration. Here's the declaration. The foremost, the most important, is here. Quote, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. I didn't think about that. Here the guy came and asked a question. And before he answered the question, he made a declaration. He gave, before he gave the commandment, he made a declaration because it's from that declaration that the commandment must be viewed. Okay? And he says, God is one. The word one is whole. God is an integer. He is complete within himself. God is one. He's not just one singular, but he is one in his nature and his character. He is holy God. Okay? Understand that before you get into this, i got to love the Lord thy God with all my heart, okay? you got to see that from that perspective. And then to kind of validate that, the Holy Spirit in Hebrews makes this statement. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That word same is self. That's another translation for it. Jesus Christ is himself yesterday, today, and forever. He is the same Jesus that he was 2,000 years ago. He is the same Jesus that he was 4,000 years ago. He is the same Jesus that he was when there was no time. Don't go there, your head will explode. He is the same. He is himself. He is the same self yesterday, today, and forever. He is one. He is whole. He is complete. He is the same. Now, here's why that's relevant. Many people live with a fractured soul, and it results in a compartmentalized life. Here's what that looks like. We have one self for our family. Now, let me back up. We have this one self at work. But then we have this one self for the family. The one self at work doesn't work well for the one self at the family. Because you might be the boss at work and get home and find out you ain't the boss. Okay? You might be able to control every situation at work and then you get home and you can't control nothing. But we have these compartments. There's one self for my work. There's one self for my family. There's one public self. You know, you used to say, act right in public. I took that to mean, doesn't matter what you do when you're in private, just act right in public. 
We have one public self. We have one private self. We have one work self. We have one self around our Christian friends. And then we have one self around our lost friends. We have this life that's compartmentalized. We have all of these different areas. A life of integrity starts with one self. Only one me. I am the same in every arena of my life. If you see me at my job, I am me. If you see me at home, I am me. If you see me in public, I am me. If you see me with my family, I am me. If you see me in private, when no one's looking, I am me. I am the same me in every one of these arenas in my life. And that self has surrendered all that it knows of itself to all that it knows of the Holy One who lives within him. That's where integrity starts. That's the first characteristic of integrity. You cannot establish integrity without a heart being whole. Otherwise, it's just external exercises. And we get caught up in that when we pray, when we read our Bible, when we do our Bible study, when we go to church. There's this fragmented place. There's no integrity in that. Oh, we may look moral. We may look upright. We may look just. But there's no integrity. Because integrity comes from a soul that has been made whole by surrendering every arena to the Father. Every expression of integrity comes from that platform. Okay? Otherwise, James 1.8 comes into play. James 1.8 says, A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. You know the literal translation of the word double-minded? Double-souled. S-O-U-L-E-D. Two cells. Here's a man with two cells. He's not just unstable in one way. He is unstable in all of his ways. Because he is fractured. A double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. Unstable means unsettled. Restless. And it affects every single area of our life. Remember what Proverbs 11.3 said? No. Okay, I'll read it to you. The integrity of the upright guides them. What guides my life? It's integrity. If you have integrity, that's what guides your life. You don't need a pole to determine what to do. You don't need to check the wind to see which way society is going to determine how you're going to act. Because integrity guides my life. Integrity directs my life. And he says, the integrity of the upright guides them. But the unfaithful are destroyed by their duplicity. That means contradictions. The doubleness of thought, doubleness of speech, or doubleness of action. A life of integrity doesn't have to hide what's going on in one compartment from what's going on in another department.
compartment. And since I don't have anything to hide, I don't have any guilt. Think about that. I got nothing to hide. I mean, you see people that don't have anything to hide? They, they do. I mean, they're carefree. They don't have any guilt. They're not going around burying all the stuff. They, they, they're not, they don't go around worried somebody's going to dig up the bodies. They don't go around fearful that somebody's in this compartment is going to discover what they've done in this department. Somebody's not going to, they don't have to, this frustration of keeping all of this covered because of integrity. Integrity says, I have nothing to hide and therefore I have no guilt. Every arena has the same purpose. Christ to have first place in everything. That's integrity. It's one soul. It's the same me in every situation. It bids the questions. Is Christ a compartment in my life, or is he the whole life? Is Christ a compartment in my life, or is he the whole life? He's just one of the compartments. And ne'er shall the compartment that Christ is in interfere with the compartment I have at work. Ne'er shall the compartment that Christ is in interfere with my lost friends. It's reserved for a certain circumstance where it'll be accepted. Life of integrity is the same regardless. See, a fractured life depends on the moment to determine how I'm going to act. A fractured life depends on the moment to determine how I act or how I choose. How I choose depends on the circumstance. And you ask people sometimes, when you get in that scenario, are you gonna, are you gonna, are you gonna be obedient to the Lord? Well, I don't know. I have to get there and see. Guess what? You won't. You won't. But a fractured life waits till the situation, waits for the circumstances, waits to see who I am with, waits to see what surroundings are there, waits to see what my emotion is gonna do. A life of integrity depends on realizing God's purpose going in. What's your purpose at work? To be an expression of God's glory, His nature, and His character. And that is not being religious. Okay? We've got this idea that to be a good Christian, we've got to wear this mantle of religion. And that's the last thing that we need to do. Life of integrity depends on realizing God's purpose. It's knowing beforehand that my objective in this scenario is that Christ have first place in everything. That Christ have first place in what I say. That Christ have first place in my attitude. A life of integrity, see, is an authentic life. Nothing false or imitation about it. What you see today what you're going to see tomorrow. And what Psalm says, Lord, lead us on level ground. Make me the same. Make me, make my heart so in love with you 
And all I want in every situation is that you have first place in my life. What you see in this area is what you see in every other area. There's no deception. There's no hypocrisy. There's no pretending one thing while actually being another. A whole soul is an expression of integrity. A whole soul will express integrity because it's complete in who it is. And it doesn't need any outside to add to it to make it complete and whole. It knows going in what it's going to do. A life of integrity brings stability to relationships. A life of integrity brings stability to relationships. Just as the Father can be counted on, so can a life that bears integrity. Just as God can be counted on, because He is integrity. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is unchangeable. We can count on that. And because we can count on that, we have confidence in Him. We can trust Him because He is that. The same is true of life of integrity. Life of integrity is the same. And it's the same day in and it's the same day. That doesn't mean you don't grow. You know, I get this sometimes. People will be snotty. You know, or they'll, and they'll say, well, that's just the way I am. Being the way you are doesn't justify being snotty. Just the way we are doesn't justify having a bad attitude. Christ died so I didn't have to have a bad attitude. He's working in my heart to correct my attitude and to use that excuse, well, that's just the way I am. I'm not talking about that kind of saying. I'm talking about the same where your character and your nature reveals Christ or seeks to reveal Christ in every situation. Just as the Father can be counted on, so can a life that deals with integrity. It helps establish security and safety in our spouses and our children. I, I want to quote something to you. And men, I, this was in a masculine sense. And so I'm not just picking on you. This thing works for wives as well. But it was given in the context of integrity in men about the wife. Here's what he said. She hates that feeling of not being able to trust you. When there's an absence of integrity, she wants to trust you. She wants to know that you're her protector. She wants to know that you're safe. She wants to know that you're going to care for her. She wants to know that what she gets coming through the door today is going to be the same tomorrow, next day, and the next day. What a statement. She wants to trust. Integrity in a life brings stability to relationships and it brings it to families. Children become familiar with the concept of trust. Children become familiar with the concept of trust by having someone stable in their life. 
How many of our issues with trust have to do with the fact that we didn't have a parent that was stable? We didn't know what we were going to get when we got home. There were days I didn't know if I was going to get talked to, yelled at, or what. It wasn't stable. It wasn't integrity there. Children learn to trust. They become familiar with the concept of trust. Having someone stable in their life which later helps in transferring trust to the Father. If our children know that we have integrity and we can be trusted, that we're going to be the same, it's going to be a whole lot easier when they come to understand who the Father is, transfer that trust to Him to save their life and to work in their soul. A life integrity can express genuine concern for others. Now follow me on this. A life of integrity can express genuine concern for others. Without integrity, I am filled with self-interest. Without integrity, it is all about me. It has to be. If my soul is fractured, I have so many compartments to manage. Life must be about me. Because I'm constantly hiding stuff. I am constantly deceiving stuff. I am constantly covering up. and I can turn my attention to the needs of others. I can't turn my attention to the needs of others. Because if I neglect my compartments, they will be exposed. As the house of cards they are. I can't, I can't be concerned about you. I got too much stuff, baggage of my own to carry. I've got all these things going on and I have to manage them. And if I don't give all of my energy and time to managing them and protecting them, they're going to fall down and you're going to see me the way I really am. So I can't do that. I have to stay focused on me. I can't be focused on you. I can't be concerned about you. Get your act together, would you? I can't turn my attention to the needs of others. Because if I neglect my compartments, they might all be exposed as the house of cards they are. Wholeness in my soul frees me to give my life away to others. I don't have to protect myself. I don't have to hide. I can be vulnerable. I can be who I am. One more. A life of integrity is quick to accept personal responsibility. Life of integrity is quick to accept personal responsibility. First of all, in word. Okay? In word. I want you to look at something with me in Matthew 5. Turn over there. This is cool. Matthew chapter 5, verse 33. Again, you have heard that ancients were told, you shall not make false vows, but shall fulfill your vows to the Lord. 
Don't make false promises. Keep your promises to God. But I say to you, make no promise. Make no oath at all. Either by heaven, for it is the throne of God, or by the earth, for it is the footstool of his feet, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. Nor shall you make an oath by your head, for you cannot make one hair white or black. But let your statement be yes, yes, or no, no. Anything beyond these is of eagle, evil. Interesting. A person of integrity does not have to make promises. Think about that. It usually comes, you know, when we've failed to keep our past promises. But I, I really promise. I, this time I really, really promise. Implying, disregard all the other words I've said, I really mean this one. I was just, that was just talking. Now I'm really promising. Like it's supposed to carry more weight. The person of integrity, every single word that comes out of his mouth has the weight of a promise. So be careful what you say. Be careful when you say yes. Be careful when you say no. Every word characterizes the weight of of integrity. And let me show you, let me show you this. Think about how much guilt, how much shame. I talked to someone this week who struggles with this. We bear for the promises we haven't kept. Doesn't matter that I didn't do any of that other stuff. I made a promise. I didn't keep it. We make promises to ourselves. See, you can say all year long, I'm going to eat better. I'm going to eat better. No more Bluebell. No more Haagen-Dazs. I'm going to eat better. And you blow it. Oh, well. But come New Year's Eve, you make a promise. I'm not going to eat any Bluebell. I'm not going to eat any Haagen-Dazs. And then within a week, you're back at the trough. And you feel so bad because you broke the promise to yourself. It didn't matter when you said it before, but now you made a promise. We call it resolutions. That's a promise. Think about the promises we make to ourselves. He said, don't make promises to yourself. Don't make promises to your head. But let your words be yes, yes, no, no. Integrity stands by its word even when it is costly. See, we make promises to our kids to get them to shut up. They bug you about doing stuff. And you probably might or might not get around to it. But if you promise them, all right, that's it. They'll be quiet. He promised. And no intention of keeping it. Or we just don't get around to keeping it. Every word bears the weight of integrity. He says we'll give account for every word we speak. 
We don't have to make promises. Here's what that means. It means you're going to have to learn to say no sometimes before you get to the promise stage. If you have no intention of keeping it, just say, I'm not going to do that. But they won't like me. They probably don't like me anyway. If that's the deal, if that's going to seal the deal, forget it. But our words, when they come from a soul that's been put back together and integrity is revealed in my life, every word carries the weight of integrity. Not only in words, but in actions. Quick to accept personal responsibility in actions. Quick to accept responsibility when words or actions fall short of what the Father asks us to do. Fall short of the Father's purpose. See, the thing about integrity and our actions, integrity doesn't have to hide the lack in one compartment by pointing out the success in another compartment. I don't have to use success over here to protect the failure over here. We get in those arguments. Yeah, you did this. Yeah, but, but I, but I, you know, I took the trash out. Remember what the guy that, that joke guy said? He said, you could, a, a woman can be out asphalting the driveway and it's 110 degrees in the middle of July and she's spreading asphalt with a shovel and packing it down. And the husband can be in the house and walk out on the porch and say, Hey, honey, honey, you, you know that bag of bread that wasn't tied up? Well, I took it and twisted it and put the lid on her. I just wanted you to know that. What am I doing? I'm covering a lack. I'm covering a compartment of lack by pointing out a compartment that I determined to be a success. I don't have to play that game. Doesn't have to hide the lack in one compartment by pointing out the success in another compartment. Yeah, but look at this. Doesn't have to blame others. Doesn't have to justify when wrong. And you know you're in trouble when you're in a discussion and you've had something brought out that you've done and your response is, well, fine. Think about what usually follows that. We get into our martyr martyr role. Well, fine. I just messed up everything. I just ruined the whole day. I'll never, ever do that again. Well, fine. You know, when you take that posture, you're just fixing to go somewhere that's not integrity. Because you're playing the victim card. Life of integrity can be honest about their flaws quick to apologize. And they realize that their choices affects more than themselves. They realize that their decisions can do damage to others. Immediately, our children, our spouse, and the body of Christ. Accepts responsibility without pressure. Not because we got caught or found out. Because of something inside of me. 
that says you chose outside of my purpose. I want you to accept that. I don't need outward pressure to be humble and accept responsibility for our actions when we have integrity. Since integrity has nothing to hide, it's open to seeking and receiving counsel from others. Got nothing to hide. All integrity, all integrity seeks, all integrity wants is the fulfillment of the purpose of God. That's all it wants. Because it has surrendered to that purpose. It has submitted all of its life to that purpose. All I want in my life is to realize the purpose of of God, of bringing everything in my life into submission to Christ and having Christ have first place in everything. That's all I want. And that's all integrity seeks. And if it comes from someone else and it discovers that it is contrary to what I want, or my plan, or my desire, I'm eager to set that aside and choose the Father's purpose. doesn't have to come from me. doesn't have to be my idea. doesn't have to be my thought. Regardless of what it, where it comes from, I want the purpose of God. If I have people in my life, and that's their heart, I can go to them for counsel and say, what's your perspective on this? And I'm willing to receive that whenever you together, corporately, find the purpose of God. It's not, it's not a battle. There's no head buddy. Because all you want is the purpose of God. And if you discover the purpose of God through someone else, I can't tell you how many times I discovered the purpose of God through Joni in a heated argument. I'll tell you how I settled that one day. Oh, not with her. This is driving in the car after I left the house. I know you don't do that, but that's what I did. I took the posture and I said, she was angry. She was in the flesh. I ain't receiving nothing from anybody in the flesh. You know what? Counsel of God was right in the middle of what she was trying to tell me. But I was willing to justify and miss it, pointing out flaws in her. Well, the package wasn't pretty that it came in. Sometimes God still does that. He reveals his purpose in situations that we never dreamed he would do it. A life without integrity has difficulty receiving counsel because they must be in control. Better yet, they must be right in order to try and feed the brokenness of their soul, to feel better about themselves. It must be their way, even to the detriment of themselves, their family, and their relationships. I can't tell you how many people, you know, come for counsel, and they have no more intention. They just are chalking that off. Well, I sought counsel. No, but did you receive counsel? No, I sought it. 
Well, did you embrace it? No, because it was wrong. What I wanted to do was right. They didn't affirm it. And you notice how we seek out people that affirm what we want? I know who to go to. They're going to, they're going to agree with me. I'm going to seek their counsel. And then we could say, I sought counsel. Who are the people in our life with integrity? Who are the people in our life whose heart is wholly surrendered to the Lord? And all they want for you is your best interest and the will of the Father in your life. Those are the people you can go to and you can receive and you can listen to. That means you're controlled by anybody else. You still take it to the Lord. But there's a willingness to recognize that God might give you something of his purpose through them that doesn't agree with what you want to do. And therein lies the issue. God is in me to do what I want him to do. He's not. He's there to fulfill his purpose. I I mean, I, I can't tell you. I've got like three or four legal sheets full of this stuff. And I'm trying to close it up. And I'm almost there. Okay. I want to share with you next week where integrity comes from. Okay. And then hopefully we're going to be through. Where do you get integrity from? We've already alluded to it. We've already covered it some. But I want to try to wrap it up and let you see in a practical way where you find integrity. Okay. These are the characteristics. Wholeness of soul. That's the big one. My soul is wholly surrendered to the Father. All right. Any questions? So you have pegged all of us. We're all in this together. So we all need wholeness. I can see that. It's obvious. I mean, I thought I had some, but there's a lot left to do. (laughs) Um, So I don't think you're done preaching about this. I I don't think you're done preaching about this. No, I got one more for sure. If not, I need some counseling. Okay, now I get some... From you. You have to be real careful. We took PJ shooting this week, and she loved it. So watch out. All right. Any other questions, comments? I hope this is relevant. I mean, I hope you see this as relevant. All right. You're dismissed.